0: Welcome to the Circularity Edge Podcast, where we discuss the latest news and perspectives on the circular economy and issues relating to social, environmental, and economic sustainability. Join us every week when we discuss what's needed to create a sustainable circular economy worldwide. Now, here is your host, Ken Alston. Hello and welcome to the Circularity Edge podcast. This is Ken Alston. In our last episode, we talked about global sustainability, where it came from. We introduced the idea of the circular economy, and we talked about how many of the concepts of sustainability, and even circular economy, are actually pretty shallow and uh, oversimplistic. And so, over time here, we're gonna go deeper into some of these topics. And one of the common misperceptions of the circular economy is that really it's just more recycling, or maybe it's recycling on steroids. Well, certainly, as I mentioned last time, it is about materials and it is about material utilization, but it's a lot more than just more recycling. It's about having a beneficial and positive impact on the planet, and it's about social equity. And economics as well as environment. And I want to talk particularly today about new designs that are in tune with the notion of the circular economy. And I want to start by talking about two different cycles. We know all about nature's cycle, the biological cycle. <laughs> we recognize that in the spring the cherry tree has blossoms and it's beautiful and abundant. And when the blossoms fall off in a few days' time, we don't say, oh my goodness, how wasteful was that tree. We just adore the tree for its beauty and for the value that we've got from uh, from the natural environment. And we don't worry about the waste, the so-called waste, because there is no waste. In nature, there isn't even a concept of waste. In the fall, the leaves fall off the tree. In the spring, the blossoms fall off and they go into the ground and they are naturally taken up safely into the soil by all the manner of bugs and worms and molds and and fungi and so on. And so we forget the fact that nature is actually cyclical naturally and that it does this all in a sustainable and safe manner. What we've done since the Industrial Revolution, which we touched on the beginnings of last week, then we've seen that we've made many, many, many different and valuable products that are made from all manner of materials, and we've been very ingenious, and we've been very inventive, and we have a much better quality of life today, and a healthier life today than we used to do in times past. But that's come at a price. And the price is that these materials were never designed to cycle in the same way that nature cycles all of its materials. So if we've used all manner of hundreds of thousands of different chemicals, many of which have never even been tested for their effects on human health or the wider environmental health. And so as we think about cycling things beyond just the natural products, in a biological cycle we have to add a new cycle. That cycle is the technical cycle. And, of course, it operates within the biological cycle because we're all on Earth, which is, in and of itself, a biological cycle. And this technical cycle also needs to cycle safely. There's no point in making, for example, a child's toy with a lead-based paint when you know that the child is likely to put it into its mouth because you're just going to give lead poisoning to the child. And even if it was something else where it wasn't in, in use with a child, let's say it's a, a lead-acid battery for a car or a motorbike, then we have to make sure that when we come to the end of the life of the vehicle or the end of use of the vehicle, that the lead is safely captured from the batteries and it is cycled safely and doesn't escape into the biosphere where it would be a neurotoxin. And so we have to think about the technical cycle very deeply with a lot more complexity than we have in the past. And we have a number of different design elements that we need to add to our portfolio that we haven't been putting into our design perspectives uh, to this point. Typically, when a new product is designed, the designer will think about cost, will think about the performance of the product, will think about the aesthetics of the product, and these are the three main considerations that go into the design. Can I make it and sell it at a, at a profit? Does it do what it's meant to do, its intended function? And does it look right and does it look good for its, uh, for its purpose? We need to add a whole new element of ecological intelligence uh, to, this, to this picture. And to do this, we need to think about four or five additional elements. The first is material health. What is the deep understanding we have about the materials that we're choosing to use in this design? And can it ultimately cycle safely in a technical or a biological cycle as a nutrient? And this choice of terms using the word nutrient is deliberate because obviously it implies nutrition and healthfulness. And so we have to make sure that the materials we're using are Um, capable of cycling in use and are still healthy to to humans and to the wider environment. So this is a matter of ecotoxicity on human and environmental health considerations. And so, even if we put more attention into the materials we're choosing and if we now understand that these are materials that can safely cycle, technically or biologically, in a nutrient cycle, we have to think about the design and material reutilization at the end of the use. And so the question comes up, is my design suited for disassembly at the end of the use period? And can the product be easily collected and then um, the materials taken apart and reutilized in a local uh, cycling of materials? And it's important to differentiate between something that is actually recycled in most places or something that's just potentially or hypothetically recyclable in principle but isn't still necessarily actually collected. And we have to go beyond just being theoretically to actually being practically recyclable. And because we're thinking about global sustainability as we're doing our design, we have to think about using clean renewable energy in manufacture and in fact we should do that across the whole of the supply chain And we have to think about clean water. What is the effect on the local watershed where the product's being made and used? And are we keeping uh, any effluents clean so that we're not polluting uh, (coughs) the local waterway? And of course, with sustainability, we have to bring in social equity. And we have to think about are we paying a living wage and are the working conditions fair and equitable Uh, given where we're operating. And so we have a lot more considerations to add into our design uh, principles once we start going into the circular economy. Now one of the things that I want to introduce today also is the idea that we can be working on more than one item of uh, sustainability at once. Let me give you an example. There's a lot of talk today about uh, climate change and the need to reduce greenhouse gases, the need to move into the renewable, clean renewable energy economy. And so we see windmills being put up, we see uh, solar installations going up. But when you think about it, although these uh, new products are making a positive contribution to reducing the use of non-renewables and moving us into the um, renewable energy economy. None of these designs are being created with these circular design principles in mind. And so I think we have to begin to add on global circular economy and sustainability to these designs that are in the clean energy field so that they're not only making a contribution on an energy consideration, but they're also uh, making progress on material considerations. Imagine, for example, the wind turbine that might last, let's say, 15 or 20 years. Or a solar installation that might last 15 or 20 years. Not very long from now, in 2035 or 2040, what's going to happen to the carbon fibre blades of the windmill? when they're no longer usable and they have to be replaced. What's going to happen to a 20-year-old out-of-date solar panel? There's no design consideration built in right now for what to do with the materials at the end of their use. And so we have to add in this new sensibility about sustainable circular economy to all of our designs. Let me give you an example. I recently came back from a trip to Barbados in the Caribbean Islands And there was a lot of talk there about introducing solar hot water heaters, which is a good thing to do. It's reducing the local dependence on non-renewable energy and moving them into the clean energy environment. It's good to reduce that reliance on non-renewables for water heating. But we have to think about the fact that these installations are in a hurricane zone. Have they been designed with uh, thoughts of resilience and how they might withstand um, the, the, the climate change that's going to be affecting them over the next 10 or 20 years. And are these designs designed to be sustainably circular? And the answer, of course, is that they're not currently. And so we need to start having all the manufacturers of all of these alternative energy systems working on creating sustainable circular designs. And if there's anyone out there listening to my podcast that is in that industry then please go to kenalston.com, that's K-E-N-A-L-S-T-O-N.com, and let's talk about how to make your your products and your services into sustainable circular versions. So I will post a image in the podcast area of the butterfly diagram, which was created by the Ellen MacArthur Foundation, and based on the technical and biological nutrient cycles that were detailed in the book, Cradle to Cradle, Remaking the Way We Make Things by William McDonough and Michael Braungart way back in 2002. And these are the cycles that I've been teaching and working with businesses and governments on for now uh, going on 20 years. And these are multiple cycling options or cascades of material reutilization. Down the center of the diagram you'll see the linear economy As we've talked about in the previous uh, podcast and then on either side you'll see the technical on the right and the biological cycle on the left but remember in reality these are not two separate cycles the technical cycle is embedded on top of and in the biological cycle since we're all here on earth and you can see that on the technical side you can maintain existing products and keep them in use for longer you can pass on Uh, either by sharing or giving or selling uh, a product to another person when you no longer need it and it can be reused for a longer time period while you go on to use something else you can refurbish and remanufacture items either in whole or in part so that again those parts those materials get a chance to be utilized over a longer time period and then there's the classical recycling which is really the final um, cycle To bring things back into material utilization. In a future podcast, I'll talk about the five main uh, business models that are behind the circular economy. Now, the key here is that we didn't get to where we are today in one design iteration. We've been designing products and redesigning products and inventing new products for over 200 years since the beginning of the Industrial Revolution. And so as we look to the future and we want to create this new sustainable circular economy, we're going to have to have some uh, opportunity to design and redesign over a period of time, hopefully not too long a period of time, to get to where we need to be. We can't do this in one design iteration and jump from zero to 100% in one go. So there will have to be some uh, steps along the way where we do things that are not ideal, but they're at least moving in the right direction and they're a stepping stone to where we want to go. These intermediate or transitional strategies should really be time limited. For example, waste to energy. If we decide to put in uh, an incinerator where we take all the waste materials and then we, we combust them and burn them for energy recovery, then we are defeating the idea of having a circular economy where we reutilize those materials. They may be reutilized to some degree as an energy source, but they're not reutilized as a material source, which is one of the prime fundamental features of the circular economy. And if we incinerate, then there's no real incentive to stop these linear flows from just continuing on and on and on. We have to change the front end of the design. In order to have a better back-end reutilization strategy. We can't just keep producing all the same products the way we do now, putting them through this linear flow of the business model and then trying to deal with them at the end. It just will not work. So we need to time-bound some of these transitional strategies so that they are phased out as and when we begin to bring in the new more sustainable circular designs. And this also implies that manufacturers have to take more responsibility for their goods and their services at the end of the use period. Right now, the cost of uh, recycling or collection and even just disposal of garbage is borne by the local uh, authorities. And therefore, we pay for it in our taxes. And there's no incentive for the manufacturers to do anything but keep on selling more and more and more products to us and so over time we are going to have to see more responsibility either voluntarily or um, enforced by government actions to um, make sure that the full cost of reutilizing materials is uh, built into the, the cost of goods. And this takes us back to the idea that we talked about last time that essentially all sustainability is local because no matter where the item was made and sold it ends up uh, in your backyard, um, right now in your garbage, um, and hopefully in the future it will be reutilized locally. And we can change this notion that we have things that are wasted into one where we have assets that are reutilized over and over again. If you want to know more about circular design principles and how to choose materials that are safe for technical and biological cycles as uh, nutrients, then contact me at www.kenalston.com. That's K-E-N-A-L-S-T-O-N.com. This is Ken Alston signing off for now, and see you in the next episode. You've been listening to the Circularity Edge podcast. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes or Google Play to get new, fresh weekly episodes. For more, please follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, or visit our website at www.kenalston.com. Until next time, bye Circular.